Welcome to Revive Family, Parenting in the 21st Century with researcher, author, lecturer, counselor, and coach Jeff Schott. Jeff has written Influential Parenting, a comprehensive program designed to help parents become important influencers in guiding their kids to success in life. He also wrote the book Going, Going, Gone about kids departing the faith they were raised in. Learn more about the program and the book at revivefamily.com. We're doing a series of programs on the topic of love. And we talked last time about how love is really based on trust. We know parents oftentimes are struggling to be close and be more connected to their families. But let's just kind of flash back and talk about trust before we go on in this program. Okay. I think, you know, families desperately want to be close to their kids. And kids desperately, I've found, want to be close to their parents. But this whole issue of trust can really get in the way. When we as parents see the failures in our kids, we tend to want to lose trust. We tend to want to doubt our kid. And then our kid picks up that they're not being trusted because all of a sudden we start trying to put more restrictions in or we keep ringing up, well, are you going to make the same mistake again? And all of a sudden they don't feel trusted. And trust definitely for me is the foundation of love. It's like the foundation of your house. When that foundation cracks, cracks are going to develop throughout the entire structure of your home. It can do incredible damage. It can break pipes. It can cause floods. Um, And so what I find so fascinating is that Jesus got this. He's got his students. He's got his disciples. He's the good shepherd. And they come to their biggest failure. He spent three and a half years investing in them nonstop. And the day comes in the garden and they desert him. They run scared. They deny him. And what I find so fascinating is Jesus doesn't come back and say, I can't trust you. He doesn't say, now you have to earn my trust. Instead, in just a day and a half, he says, here, I'm going to give you the Great Commission. Go out there and love and serve and care for people and show them my love. He doesn't restrict them. In fact, he extends a crazy amount of trust to these guys that have just completely bombed it, completely failed. And guess what? They rose to that trust. He was saying, I trust you, and here are some new responsibilities as well. Right. Which is what we use at times or should be using with our kids, I guess. When we we say, I trust you, uh, everything didn't go as smoothly last time as it might have, but I do trust you, and I know you're a responsible person, and you're going to get this done. Right. And we tend to, in our parenting culture in our country, remove responsibility when trust is breached. We tend to doubt and question. And yet Jesus does the opposite here. And some parents will say, well, you know, they were adults. My kid's a child. Well, I'm going to tell you, the same principle works with a kid's heart. I've seen it in my home over and over again with my kids. I extend trust when they fail. I give them responsibility. I display that trust in a tangible way, and they rise to it. They feel closer to me. They feel believed in, and that gives them the strength to make a better decision the next time. Mm -hmm. Whereas oftentimes 
when we remove the responsibility, they resent it. And this, I have found, often motivates them to go make the same mistake again. It can develop a hard heart in our kids. But I expect that uh, when you are putting forth that trust and uh, connecting trust to responsibility, you're also letting them know that you're there as support. Oh, yeah. I've got you. If you need help, I'm here. Right. And, you know, don't fear coming to me and saying I'm struggling. Don't fear coming and saying I'm I'm feeling tempted. I'm here for you. Yeah. yeah. Don't fear communicating with me because it's that communication that gives us this incredible influence in their lives. Mm-hmm. Love on display, I think, is a way I would describe what you and your daughter Jennifer have expressed as we've talked about your family. Because it was a time when you took, you and Dee took your parenting style and kind of flipped it on its head and moved away from controlling and we're the boss and you're the followers and we're going to tell you what to do. And you replace that with one sentence, love one another. I mean, it's fascinating because the journey that we went on, love was definitely breaking down in our home. Our daughter, our oldest, did not feel loved. And as a result, she was hurt and she was defensive and she was reactive and there was a lot of anger because she was hurt because she wasn't feeling loved. And um, that's the amazing thing. We didn't even realize what we were doing. Um, we didn't realize that what we were doing in our home was lining up with all the research related to love and what we see actually in the Bible related to love, re- related to how the good shepherd led. But, you know, the research actually says we have the capacity to increase our love. Um, fascinating to me because so many homes right now, so many parents probably listening are, are feeling I'm not connected at a heart level to my kids. Oh, I've tried some love, but it didn't work. Or I, I'm not feeling connected, <laughs> heart connected to my spouse right now. Um, and, you know, the research in love actually says when we're not feeling loved as a couple, that that sense of disconnect, that sense of loneliness that can creep in is actually contagious and can and will spread in social systems. And that's why it's so important to realize that we actually have the ability as an individual to increase our capacity to love. I love this research because it says that research into self-compassion, interesting, self-compassion, let's talk about that for a second. What is that? Mm-hmm. That's mean we don't, when we fail, we don't beat ourselves up. We don't get down on ourselves. Right. Because when we do that, we get negative about ourselves. And when we get negative about ourselves, we tend to get defensive because anything that comes along that says you're failing again confirms that horrible feeling of being negative. And we want to avoid beating ourselves up again because it's not fun. And so self-compassion, research into self-compassion and not beating ourselves up um, states that when we practice strategies regularly to develop self-compassion, it leads to a more positive and empathetic mindset. In fact, it studied monks that practice meditation into compassion. It actually changes the brain waves, the alpha waves in the brain. They actually become more loving. And so compassion, 
meditating on compassion increases the activity connected to empathy and positive emotions and decreases activation of fear centers in our brain. And if you think about it, what causes us to want to control? Fear. Fear of being hurt. Fear that our kids could be hurt. Mm-hmm. And yet this meditation on compassion can change that, can actually limit the fear response within us. And for so how does that work in my family? Um, for us, that's prayer. We pray together. Uh, I pray every morning with the kids, and we pray for others. We pray for each other. We pray for the weaknesses in each other. Mm-hmm. We have compassion for the weaknesses in each other in these prayers. And it's been amazing to watch my kids develop compassion, not just for me as a dad, which is great. When your kids have compassion for you, oh, it's amazing. I see it very rarely in homes, but it's amazing. But they have compassion for friends. They have compassion for acquaintances. They have compassion for strangers. And we see it all the time in, in what they're talking about and what they share. And it's because, uh, I believe, of this prayer that focuses us, that meditates us on the challenges, the struggles, the weaknesses of others and praying for them and showing care and concern for those who are making poor decisions. Well, that's a bonding procedure in your family, too, if you all come together and pray and pray together and uh, show the compassion for others. I always felt the, that compassion uh, really defined as showing sympathy and care and concern for others. But for me, compassion always had sort of a proactive element to it that the person feeling compassion wanted to help soothe that individual who's suffering, want to help them get beyond their suffering and grow. So you're kind of the compassionate coach, sir. That's what you do. (laughs) Uh, I think that, yeah, you just might have discovered my secret. Um, But compassion is essential to staying connected as a family. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we live together. We're together so much. We're going to see each other's warts, weaknesses, this, the positives and the negatives. And if we are all about performance, if we're all about right and wrong, compassion goes away. But when compassion rules, we come alongside each other when we struggle, when we fail, because we know that no one likes failing. And they're already in pain from the failure, so let's have compassion upon that failure the weaknesses in each other, because that compassion shows we care. That compassion communicates love. That compassion holds us together, draws us together, as opposed to pushing us apart. And so I can't overstate the importance of compassion in a family structure, but it's so inverse of what I was trained to do. Well, the modeling of compassion also teaches that compassion, that same level, to the young people in that family. Exactly. But let's face it, have we been trained to be compassionate as parents? No. We've been trained to find the faults, point them out, correct them. Don't do that again. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Correct them with what other method uh, a family uses. And the kids in that don't end up feeling loved. Mm -hmm. They don't feel hurt. They don't feel understood. They feel corrected. They feel judged. They may feel condemned. The opposite of compassion And isn't it true, if you're sitting here right now going, 
I'm not feeling very loved and connected to my, my spouse. Is it because you're not getting compassion for your weaknesses? Well, it's the same for your kids. This is a big topic, and we have more. You're listening to Revive Family Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. More on love and compassion coming up in a moment. Hey, at times, we as parents all have questions. Even I have questions. That's why I do a lot of this research. And I'd love to hear from you. Love to hear your questions that you would like us to address on air. If you go to revivefamily.com forward slash radio, that's revivefamily.com forward slash radio, right there at the beginning of the page is a place you can submit a question. We won't use your name on air unless you want us to. It's entirely confidential, but we would love to address the issues you would like us to on this radio program and podcast. Thank you. We appreciate your help. Does your child listen to you and do what you ask? Are you tired of the battles? There is hope and a fresh approach to this tiring dilemma. Researcher, counselor, and parenting coach Jeff Schott has done research with 3,500 kids that identifies why kids stop listening and hide in their rooms. The program is called Influential Parenting, and it brings a new perspective to these issues. It's bringing joy and peace back to the parent-child relationship. Get Influential Parenting today at revivefamily.com slash radio. Welcome back to Revive Family Parenting in the 21st Century with researcher, author, lecturer, counselor, and coach Jeff Schott. The topic today is love, and we were spending a good amount of time on compassion, and you say it's essential in a family. It's the glue that binds us together. When compassion breaks down, we're going to distance from each other emotionally. We're going to start seeking to protect ourselves from each other. And I see that all too often in families, kids trying to protect themselves from their parents, parents trying to protect themselves from their kids. It's amazing how fearful I can see parents get of the reaction of their kids. So the trust is lacking and the compassion can't follow. Right. Compassion is absolutely essential. Um, I'll never forget, I was in this uh, event speaking with parents, about 300 parents at a church, and we were talking about influential parenting and leading differently and how do we do that and what does it look like to, to lead like Jesus. And this mom in a Q&A time said, this has been amazing and I realize I'm a hypocrite. Now that level of candor and a hypocrite. Yeah, that level of candor in a Q&A time, I don't get too often. So I said, "Really? You know, that one, thanks for being so open and honest, but why do you feel you're a hypocrite?" And she said, "Well, I'm a youth leader in our church. And when the girls in my group um struggle, make mistakes, uh make poor decisions, I have compassion on them. I listen. I helped them process what they were feeling and thinking. I do what you're telling us to do with our kids. But you know what? Then I go home to my own kids, and I do the exact opposite. She's the hypocrite at home then. I get frustrated. I get angry. I come down on them. I don't listen. I don't interact with them. I punish them. And it's no wonder that they're distancing from me in the church. Isn't that style of parenting, though, that... It tends to come from people in a hurry. They don't want to take the time. If I quickly lay down the law and the rec- the rules and regulations, you can't do that anymore. Okay, done. And I can leave the room and go on to my busy life. Whereas being compassionate, listening, 
asking caring questions takes longer. Oh, it takes a lot longer, and it takes thought, and it takes reflection, and I've found a lot of parents are just scared to death because, one, they don't believe their kids will answer them, and two, a lot of parents say, I don't know how to ask my kids these questions. How do I ask them? So it's a new skill that I think we need to learn, and is it because we're busy, or is it because that's the way our parents handle this, or is it a combination of both? I'm not sure which, but I've really struggled with why is it that we have a hard time being compassionate with our own kids. And I've got some thoughts. I mean, I know for me originally as a parent, I was not a compassionate parent with my kids when they made mistakes, when they were too loud, when they did things I thought were wrong. I definitely had no compassion for mm-hmm. that in my and you came down on them. parenting DNA. Oh, yeah, I was an expert. <laughs> yeah, I was really an expert at it. But here's some of the things I think are the reason behind we have a hard time having compassion with our kids. Mm -hmm. It may be because we feel our kids reflect upon us or we've lost confidence in our kids or we desire to protect them and this protection causes us to want to control them. It could be because we know our kids and their weaknesses all too well. Or it just may be we're following the model of our parents because they jumped on us and had zero compassion for us. But, you know, what I've really found with parents and kids when compassion breaks down is it's a lack of belief in the best in one another. We lose Mm -hmm. the belief that our kids really do want to listen to us, Mm -hmm. really do want to make good decisions, really do want to succeed. And we start to believe that they're out to subvert us, uh, that they're out to make every mistake under the book. And when we get there, that raises our fear, our desire to control, that causes us to react, and we lose compassion very quickly. And I see the same thing happen in marriages that I'm working with right now, where the belief that our spouse wants what's best for us is broken down. And that breaks down our ability to have compassion for one another. So one party is challenging the other and not accepting that there's greatness in that individual, that there's a better side that Right. There's more that can come forth. Right. Can't I mean, if we think about it, if our boss comes to us after we make a mistake and comes down on us really hard, when we drive home, what are we thinking about? I had a boss once at um, a company called Time Systems. I, I made a mistake. I transposed two numbers, and I ordered way too much of one item and way too little of another. And I discovered it before we were going to this national trade show. And I went in and said, here's the mistake I made. And, you know, we need to order more of these binders. So we need to incur more expense because we're going to run out of those because those are the most popular. And she looked at me and goes, I can see you really regret this. And I said, yeah. (laughs) And I could tell that you... uh, you never want to make this mistake again. You bet I never want to make this mistake again. She goes, good, that's all I need to know. And the the interaction was over. I drove home feeling what about my boss versus the boss that came down on me really hard. You felt good about that relationship. Right, because yeah. she believed that I wanted to succeed. She believed I yeah. was learning. She believed that I would make a better assessment, be more careful the next time. Right, and you were... Totally proactive, fix the issue, right, and move on. And I found our kids will do that if we'll change our approach. If we'll mm-hmm. have compassion on them, 
when they make those mistakes. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of books have been written on management books on what they call solutions theory. So when an issue occurs, rather than going back and dissecting and analyzing and bringing in an investigative committee, what you do is take a look and say, when did this work really well? There are three instances in the last two months where we really had a lot of success. Let's focus on the solutions and not do this detailed analysis that backs everything up, that stops our progress. And it sounds like that works pretty well in parenting. I believe it does. (laughs) And what I found is that when we show our kids compassion, we're not saying you can go do whatever you want. I think that's parents' big fear. If I'm compassionate on my kid when they mess up, if I show grace and love and mercy, then they're just going to go wild. One, because we believe they want to go wild. We believe the negative about them as opposed to believing the positive, that they want to make a decisions, that they want to succeed. But um, I know that this is hard to believe, but it compassion works. But this doesn't mean love just pretends it doesn't see what's gone wrong. Um, and I know that that's one of the fears. And some some parents are in that place where they've become enablers and they don't want to bring anything up because they don't want to damage the relationship. But I know from talking to those kids at events that they end up feeling not loved because they're not getting any guidance and they feel confused and lost and they wish they had the controlling parent. They actually tell me that. I wish really? my parents were like that kids. And I'm like, no, that kid doesn't want this. And and they always swing the pendulum from one extreme to the other. It's pretty funny. But love does draw us to bring up issues and to put in place uh, a system to allow our kids to make hard decisions. And we see this with Jesus. Jesus and the rich young ruler. Uh, you know the story. I do. You know, what happened? He couldn't, uh, you know, give away his wealth. He walked away sad. Right. What I love about this story is Jesus sees an issue in his life, just like we see an issue in our kids' lives. And he comes up to him and asks him a couple of questions, and and the rich young ruler has the right answers. Yeah, I believe, and yes, I'm doing all this to model my faith, but Jesus sees the issue, and he knows that this rich young ruler um, is lonely. He wants to be revered. He wants to be seen. He wants to be worshipped almost to a degree, but he's lonely. He's not fulfilled. And so he looks at him and says, you know, what's the most loving thing for me to do here? And it says, actually, in the passage, in love, he said to him, you know, come first, go sell it all and give it to the poor and then come follow me. On the face of it, that may not sound loving to some, but it is because if he does that, his love of money will be gone and he'll be able to have deep relationships and have a fulfilling, meaningful life by giving up this thing that's getting in the way. Mm-hmm. So he draws them to that point by asking questions. Then he says, then go sell it all and come follow me. And does the rich young ruler leave feeling punished? No. Judged? No. Condemned? He leaves sad because he's facing a really hard decision. Right. And I found that this works so well with kids because they do have the inherent desire to please us. Mm-hmm. They do want to succeed. They don't want to mess up their lives. Every single kid in the research confirmed this. 
even the ones that were in really messed up situations, still had these desires in place. It sounds to me like you're also saying that there is a compassionate style of questioning that advances a relationship. Right. Where you're saying, instead of judging what's taken place, you're saying, well, tell me about this. Yeah. What were you thinking when you did that? I want to understand it. Yeah. So, so help me. How are you feeling about this? Okay, you yeah. just had this situation occur. You just cheated on a test or you just lied about something. How do you feel about that? Does this help you feel better or worse about yourself? Um, what are you thinking about the future related to this and how it might impact you if this became a habit or a constant in your life? Would it be positive or negative for your, your life? Drawing these questions brings them to this point of being self-reflective. It's where I see heart contrition happen in my kids. And when I see that, that's all I'm looking for. Because now they're at that point of that hard decision that Jesus took. It's helping them get to self-reflection. Exactly. Yes. That's when they learn. What I found is they're not learning when we come down on them and we lecture them. They're frustrated with that. They're thinking about that. They're thinking about, wait a minute, you yelled at me too, and no one's lecturing you. So, you know, this isn't fair. They're not self-reflecting. They're not learning. More on the topic of love in our next program. That's it for this edition of Revive Family, Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. We'll return soon with another program designed to help you become a wiser, more effective, more influential, more loving parent. Jeff's website is revivefamily.com. Parenting in the 21st Century is produced in association with Faith Radio. Jeff Schott is a pastoral counselor and coach. He is not a licensed healthcare professional. What you've heard is not a substitute for seeking professional medical or psychological support.